To top it all off, imagine being a strawberry. It's another episode of Full Metal Analysts. Welcome to our show where free riders analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, or in this case, one of the four OVAs, that's Original Video Animation. I'm Michelle. I'm Arthur. And I'm Mike. And our guest today is a returning champion. I always say that, I don't know why, but <laughs> please welcome back to the show, Alexia Ganadian! Hello. I mean, it's true. I am a champion. I feel like everyone who comes <laughs> back, they are returning champions, welcome you know? Back. It's like... <laughs> I'm walking in holding the giant golden belt. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Let's stop beating around the bush. <laughs> <laughs> Let us all talk about the worst thing. We have thing. to talk about this thing. This was a very upsetting bit of fiction. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. This one was like, okay... I have to get my thoughts out right <laughs> off the bat because, like, <laughs> I texted Michelle, like, I've probably never agreed with you as hard as I will in this episode. Yeah. But, like, you know, the, the actual show, it sort of skirts around it. It, you know, sort of obfuscates it. It doesn't give it yeah. the gravity that it's meant to. But this one is straight up, like, apologist, like, genocidal stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's not right. great. <laughs> it's i know you want to talk about i know but i just got to do one thing first two things first actually and the first thing is to say that this episode was directed by kurosatu who directed one is all all is one father before the grave the shvalon war of extermination and many more and it was written by hiroshi onoki the series head writer and of course now that we talked about who wrote and directed this episode that means we have to do our improvised recap this is the moment of the podcast where one of us would do an improvised 21 second recap of this week's episode and that person will be decided by the roll of a dice if it lands on one it's me if it lands on two it's arthur if it lands on three it's mike if it lands on four it's our guest alexia so let's roll the dice bum, bum, bum. one oh all right it's me okay <laughs> i can do this somebody calm me down three two one Can you just say go? I did not hear you say go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I thought it was on one, not on go. All right, go. Uh, we flash back to when Roy was 18 and just joined the academy, and then he finds out he meets with Hughes, but they're rivals, and then they become friends. Then they befriend this Ishvalan guy named Heathcliff, which is the name of a cartoon cat. And then later on in the Ishvalan <laughs> Wars emanation, Roy kills a bunch of people, and then he kills Heathcliff, and he has a crisis of conscience, and Hughes is like, who cares about it? There's a life waiting for you back home, so just forget about your art crimes, and then he does that, and that's it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know what, Hughes, you're right. Maybe the only way is to kill brown people. <laughs> I I just, I just, like, insane. <laughs> it reminds you of the fact that there are people who commit atrocities who might be excellent family guys. Seriously. But I, you know what? That's interesting, isn't it, though? I don't know. I don't think it's good. I don't think it redeems him. In fact, it makes him a despicable character. But it is obviously interesting. You know? Honestly, the one that comes out the worst of this is not Mustang. It's Hughes. It's Hughes. No, it's yeah, absolutely Hughes. Hughes. Yeah. Hughes is destroyed. Like, if this had been in the show, nobody would have been sad he died. Like, yeah. I come to the table of Fullmetal Alchemist and I say, I don't really like Hughes. And this is exactly why. Everyone's always like, I can't believe... He's murdered, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of fine with me. <laughs> he got what he wanted for a little bit, and now he's dead. <laughs> Alas. And it's like, yeah, for sure this is kind of interesting, but 
do you really think that the way you find it interesting is the way it was intended to be interesting? <laughs> no, yeah, no. not at all. <laughs> no. Right. I think they were trying to make it like, look, he's just doing this. He's, it's fine, right? Like, it's okay. He doesn't really believe in this stuff. It's, so it's okay that he's complicit in it or in some way. But I feel like, obviously, that's not okay at all. No, yeah. It definitely was not framed the best. I had a moment there where I was like, oh, they really want us to look at Hughes and go, oh, but, like, what could he have done? He just is trying to have a family. And, oh, poor guy. (laughs) Hughes is introducing this as hanging out with the most... 80s movie bullies you've ever seen literally i get why they didn't put this in the and this is a question that we've asked every single ova episode so far which is should they have put this in the actual show i feel like i get why they didn't because if they did it would be too much (laughs) if they they put this in the show then you'd have to do a lot i don't know like it would have to be more about this you know right right Michelle, could you explain something to me? Like, where did this story come from? So all of the OVAs so far have been based on bonus chapters from the manga. And this one is called His Battlefield Once More, which was in something called Book and Figure Blue. The thing that's interesting is that in the original work, in the original bonus chapter, the character of Heathcliff Herb, again, name of a cartoon cat, but that's okay. Heathcliff yeah. Herb, not in the story. Heathcliff. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> and also there's like a framing device. Hawkeye wakes the colonel up and the colonel's like, wow, I've changed so much since I was in the battlefield. And I was like, no, you haven't. But <laughs> and, then, and then the colonel goes like, he turns to his subordinates and he's like, what would you do if I told you guys to kill innocent people? And they all go, oh, you would never do that. And it's like, would he not know? <laughs> the whole theme of this is like, oh, it's so hard to be a, a like a mass murderer who's just <laughs> following orders, you know? They're literally using like, you know, Nuremberg trial, like I'm just following orders stuff. It's really not great. To kind of transpose that onto a narrative that's like, oh, poor them. Like it must be so hard for them. And Mustang's like, he's so strong for being able to do all this genocide and then just go If Mustang's last line was literally anything different, like if he was like Asuka, not full metal, Asuka Evangelion disgusting, like the whole episode would be different. It clicked to me why I don't like Mustang. Throughout the whole of this episode and throughout the whole of Full Metal Alchemist, it feels like Roy Mustang is a character who's being confronted with like a bunch of people being like, will you sell your soul for this? Will you sell out for this or will you keep your humanity? And every single time he's asked that question, his answer is, how much am I getting for my soul? Like he's just yeah. so willing to to double down on, on on being this absolute soulless empty vessel for he's just a, like other it people. depends. <laughs> this episode is the same problem that like that choice he made at the end of the show has, where he's like, yeah, just use the stone and bring back my eyes. Where you feel like he goes up to a moment where he's being challenged to grow as a person, and he goes, nope, I will not do that. I will continue being this guy. I personally feel like you could do that as a character and you could do that as a story. It just feels like the show wants us to be happy that Roy is doing these things. Like, yeah, this is Roy. Cool. He's like an ends justify the means guy where we don't really get to see the ends. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. We can only give him the benefit of the doubt, which is hard. 
because he never he's not trustworthy yeah right yeah i was gonna say i gotta say i picked this one because i like roy in the sense that i constantly am asking him to pay for his war crimes and call him a war criminal like i'm like (laughs) if only he became fewer to immediately put himself in jail then things would be maybe okay but then i'm like what's the point of him and Riza? like what what's the point i'm like nothing can I don't know, and then I get I start talking circles, but I'm like, somebody must answer for their war crimes, and nobody <laughs> ever does in this goddamn show. <laughs> but Heathcliff was a tragic figure in all of this. I I, oh I know he was God. named after a cartoon cat, but <laughs> <laughs> he, I love that though. I love that there should be like a character called Garfield Jones. <laughs> Garfield Jones. Garfield Jones and Heathcliff Herb. <laughs> Isn't there a Garfield in the show? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, his name is Garfield without the D, I think. Oh, you're right. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's there Garfield's automail shop where Winry works. Yeah. Here comes Garfield. I feel like Roy and Hughes are both like, I can excuse genocide, but I draw the line at bullying. Yeah. <laughs> and then somebody goes, you can excuse genocide. And they're like, oh. yeah. <laughs> look, there's two things that bother me. <laughs> there's bullying and somebody taking my goddamn quiche. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. It just made no sense. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, what? actually it does make sense. All right. Look, stay with me here. I don't think this was intentional, but I do think it's interesting how someone who initially is against, you know, unfairness and bullying and all this sort of stuff, right? You know, who stands up for poor Heathcliff, you know? Who stands up for, against um, bigotry and stuff like that can be like, hey, man, times have changed. I got to get mine. I got to survive. I got to have a reason to live, you know? Like, I can't live with what I've done anymore, so I've decided I'm going to live for the happiness of my wife now. You know what I mean? That's fucked up. I'm not saying it makes him a good person or redeems him anyway, but I do think, like psychologically it is an interesting thing that people in those scenarios must do. Like I've heard about this before where there's people who have committed these terrible atrocities. They've realized the repentance. They they don't, they feel bad about what they've done, but they don't know how to square it. You know what I mean? Like there is no way to square it. It's like, what are you supposed to do then though? Like drop dead? Like, yeah, exactly. Right. What do you do? And he had to have something to live for. You know what I mean? Like, Right. He gave up. Like he died a long time ago. Like he's really kind of dead inside, really. You know what I right. mean? Like all that's left is like, you know, the happiness of his wife. You know, that's what he's living for. There's this really great podcast called You're Wrong About. And they have an episode where they talk about canceling people getting canceled and how like you can't cancel like Rush Limbaugh or, or like any of these people who are like really, really bad because they're like irredeemable. Like you can't. <laughs> You can't cancel Hitler because Hitler is like completely <laughs> unapologetic, you know. So I would say Hitler canceled himself. But right, right. So you, can't, you can't like be mad at Kimberly, really, for right. like being himself. Like, and this is like something that Michelle said like a long time ago. But you can be mad at people like Roy Mustang and Hughes precisely because we kind of feel like they are better than that. They are better than that. Like they are part of us. They are like on our side. And right. so it's like we can't police the like objectively evil other, but you can like take one of your own and be like, hey, you suck. Like precisely because they have that like redeeming nature within them is why it makes us so much angrier than just like a straight up villain. Yeah, it's like they had some semblance of a moral compass and they chose to do the wrong thing. Yeah. It's that you should know better. Yeah. You should know better. Yeah. I gotta say, my favorite part of this episode, something that wasn't spoken. 
which is you go from these three guys laughing on the whole and they're like, why did you join the army? And Heathcliff says, because I want to help rebuild the shawl, mm-hmm. right? Roy is kind of saying, we're surrounded by enemies. So the enemies are like the people who are attacking your own citizens, like the people who are attacking Heathcliff. Mm-hmm. So they outline their principles, and then there's that cut, which is a really great cut, like 1908, Ishvalan War of Extermination. And you see Roy killing Amestrian citizens, because that's what the Ishvalans are. Mm-hmm. And right. then when you see Heathcliff, he's on the side of the Ishvalans. Yeah. So it's like, without saying a word, they've shown that like Roy has, in a way, betrayed his ideals, but Heathcliff hasn't. And it leads to me to this moment, which I think is a beautifully written moment, which is where it's like... It takes 30 seconds for Roy to get over it. I know. Which really hit me. It felt like I was watching somebody I care for die. I don't know, understand why. Like, it felt like I was watching that kid, from the 18-year-old kid from the first half of the episode, die. And they literally have you to go from night to day. Yeah. And he just dies. He's like, that's it. Do you think there was any symbolism in his alchemist? Thing being shot? Yeah, because it's like a symbol of his privilege, shielding him from the consequences of what he's done. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. What do you think? Bro, that's some real shit. Roy could literally just be a guy. Like, he could just be a guy. Like, you see a version of this episode where Hughes is like, okay, 30 seconds. He steps out, and when he steps back, Roy isn't there anymore. And he just deserts the army. Dark stuff. Glad this wasn't in the anime. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Honestly, I don't like it at all, actually. (laughs) It feels bad, bro. I feel feel bad about it, yeah. It would have been like the Nina stuff, where it's so... Like, you can't go back from this. It's worse than the Nina stuff. It's absolutely worse, yeah. Because the Nina stuff was disturbing on a horror level. Like, I was like, oh, God, what have they done to this little girl? Oh, my God, they've combined her with a dog. This is fucking awful. But this... Is like horrible in a less of a horror movie way and in more of more of a Schindler's List kind of way. I know. <laughs> it's know? like it's horrifying <laughs> in the uh, oh no, Ooh, this happens. <laughs> this, I, I'm upset. <laughs> you know, this is no fun. Actually, that leads me very handily into my last question before we wrap things up, which is, Alexa, have you seen O3? The last time I watched O3 was when I was uh, like 11. And my brother kindly informed me that I never finished it. And I was like, that's not true. And then I thought about it and I was like, that's absolutely true because my 11 year old brain did not have the patience to sit through like 50 episodes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you have any words of advice for Mike as he embarks onto O3 next year? If you thought this one was dry, <laughs> <laughs> that shit is bleak. <laughs> there is no joy in the art style. Everything is sharp edges you know it's so crazy some people really love it some people are are like they'll come on they'll be like look i don't i'm here because you invited me but i hate brotherhood please have me back you know when you guys do the real anime you know like they get mad i really gotta rewatch 03 because it's the first one i saw it's the reason i didn't watch brotherhood for a long time because i was one of those i was like it's different but like also (laughs) i don't like change i don't like change (laughs) but i gotta rewatch it because there are a lot of plot differences that I'm interested to see how I handle. Because, again, I'm like, I kind of vaguely know the gist. 
of what happens in 03, but like honestly, my most vivid memories of it are the finale movie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because that's what I watch the most of. Which I, I do know something about. You know, it's been dropped that spoilers is in that. <laughs> <laughs> And now we've reached the end of this week's episode of Full Metal Analyst. So I'd like to take this moment to thank our guests for coming. Thank you so much, Alexei. It's a pleasure. It's really great having you back here with us. Heck yeah. Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Same as last time. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at Alexia Kodanian, spelled uh, the way it will probably be in the episode description. One word. You can buy some of my Full Metal Alchemist art on Etsy. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Which is linked in my Twitter. <laughs> And if you want to be visited by the Garbage Ape, subscribe to our Patreon to understand this reference. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FMAnalysts. That's twitter.com slash FM, the word analysts. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. If possible, leave us a review or recommend the show to a friend. We'd like to thank Sarah Lerner for managing our Tumblr. You can check that out at fullmetal-analyst.tumblr.com. We'd also like to thank Camilla Franklin for doing our podcast art. You can check out more of her work by following her on Instagram at Camillustrator. If you like this episode or would like to hear more, why not subscribe to our Patreon? For just $2, you receive extended versions of each episode a week early. That's right, you can listen to next week's episode right now by going to patreon.com slash fmanalysts. That'll be all for now. We'll see you next time on Full Metal Analysts. Until then, stay frosty, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Garbage ape. Garbage ape, I'll never forget you. <laughs> we rejoice at the garbage ape's approach. <laughs> <laughs>